Lots of good fellowship. We will have a coffee time with goodies after the service as well, so we can get some more fellowshipping in, which is an important part of our morning. Hallelujah. There won't be a meal, but there will be that coffee time and goodies. So, And then just a reminder of our live stream at 10 o'clock on Wednesdays, where you can see that later archived um, on our Facebook page, or also it goes on YouTube as well. And then 6 o'clock, youth group and children's ministry on Wednesday evening. Thursday, Pastor Dean has a Zoom Bible study at 7.30, and you get in touch with him for that. And then with History in the Baking, our Christmas play, I'm just going to read the announcement here. Uh, this is from Sarah Erholtz, our director. She says, well, we are going to be stretching out Christmas this year at TCC. Due mainly to quarantine issues, we will be rescheduling the play History in the Baking to Saturday and Sunday, January 8 and 9. New tickets will be for sale Sunday, December 12 today. And you can also exchange already purchased tickets with new ones or get a refund. Uh, there's new posters and flyers for us to bring out to different places. If you put up a poster, please replace it with a new one if you did in the past. Thank you for your help in spreading the word. Also, thank you for your patience, understanding, and flexibility, and continued prayers. Uh, we're really looking forward to this production. It's going to be a special time with lots of laughter. Now we have extra time to set to get some surprises ready for you. Now there will also be more time for you to invite family, friends, and anyone else that God puts on your heart. Christmas blessings from Sarah and the cast and crew. So that's looking forward to that coming up here. Also, this Friday night, we're having a Christmas concert right here. Kent and Chantel Dudley and the Bended Knee group will be presenting a Christmas concert here at 7 o'clock this Friday. And uh, there will be free will offering received. Uh, and you can also bring canned goods for the Bemidji uh, food shelf that evening. So looking forward to that very much. And then next Sunday, December 19, we're going to have, uh, we're going to call it an old-fashioned Christmas, but there's going to be old, a lot of old carols, but there's also going to be new songs too, I believe, some good new ones. And um, the theme is Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world. So that'll be like Christmas service number one. And then on December 26th, the day after Christmas, we're going to have another Christmas service. Really, today is kind of like one, too. Is that okay? And then we're stretching it out into the new year. Um, but we're calling that one a country Christmas. And uh, uh, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is going to be the theme. I didn't get to share that with Kent yet, but Kent and their group is going to be leading that morning. So... Hallelujah.
and forgiving of our tithes and offerings. Um, we have boxes in the back where we can, if you're here in the service, if you're watching online, you can mail to Box 67, 10 Strike, to our church, um, or go online and give that way also. And so we, we do that together as unto the Lord. And Lord, we just thank you that we can be givers, that you, that's something you impart to us. We thank you that we can trust you. We do trust you. We trust in you that even as we give financially that you are going to help us financially. Well, here's a Christmas story. Probably about six weeks ago, it was, Lord, we have a Christmas story for this year. We have an annual Christmas story. And uh, very quickly I found this one. And uh, so I'm going to read it, and we'll start. I don't have the author of this, but it was from, where was it from? I usually take it from, it's from Truth Books. And so it's called The Best Christmas. The Christmas party was over. Several of the men were sitting at a table reminiscing about the Christmas days of their childhood. The conversation turned to the best Christmas of their lives. As they went around the table, they noticed one man hadn't said anything. They asked, come on, Frank, what was your best Christmas growing up? Frank said, well, the best Christmas I ever had was when I didn't even get a present. The others were surprised. They had to hear the story. Frank began to talk. I grew up in New York. It was the Great Depression, and we were poor. My mother had died when I was just eight years old, and my dad had a job, but he only worked two or three days a week. But that was considered good in those days. We lived in a shanty, and we, were barely, we barely had enough food or clothes. But I was a kid and I really didn't notice that. My dad was a, a proud man. He had one suit. He would wear that suit to work. And when he came home, he would take off his jacket and sit in his chair still wearing his, his shirt tie and the vest. He had this big old pocket watch that had been given to him by my mom. He would sit in his chair, and the chain from, from the watch would, would hang out, connected to the fob in his vest buttonhole. That watch was his proudest possession. Sometimes I would see him just sitting there looking at his precious watch. I think he was pondering or thinking of my mom. One year, when I was about 12 years old, chemistry sets were the thing. And they cost about $2. That was pretty big money back then. But every kid wanted a chemistry set, including me. I began to pester my dad about it about a month before Christmas. 
And I made to him all those same kid promises. I would be good. I would do all my chores. I would ask for anything. I wouldn't ask for anything else again, ever. My dad would just say, well, we'll see. Three days before Christmas, he took me to what we called the carts. There was this area in New York where all the small merchants keep their street carts loaded with goods. They would undersell the stores and you could often get a really good buy. He would take me to a cart and pick out some little toy and say, son, would you like something like this? I, of course, would tell him, no, I want a chemistry set. And we'd tramp to the, nearly every cart in the area, and Dad was showing me toy cars and other kinds of toys, and every time I would refuse it. I never had the thought that he didn't have the money to buy the chemistry set. But finally he said, I think we better go home, and we'll come back tomorrow. All the way home I pouted and I whined about the chemistry set. I repeated the promises and I said I didn't care if I never got another present but I had to have the chemistry set. I know now that my dad felt guilty about not having the ability to give me more. He probably thought he was a failure as a father and I also think he somehow blamed himself for my mother's death. But as we were walking up the stairs, he told me that he would see what he could do about me getting a chemistry set. That night I couldn't even sleep. I could see myself inventing some new material. I could see the New York Times headline, Boy Wins Nobel Prize. The next day after work, my dad took me to the carts, and on the way, I remember he bought a loaf of bread, and he was carrying that as we walked. And we came to the first cart, and he told me to pick out the chemistry set that I wanted. They were all alike, but I went through all of them. It was like I was choosing a diamond or something. I found the right one, and I almost yelled, this one, Dad. I can still see him reaching into his pants pocket to get the money. As he pulled the two dollars out, one fluttered to the ground and he bent over to pick it up, and as he did, the chain fell out of his vest. The chain swung back and forth. No watch was attached to it. In a flash, I realized Dad had sold his watch to get me the chemistry set. He sold his most precious possession to buy me what I desired. He sold his watch, the last thing my mother had given him to buy me that chemistry set. And I grabbed his arm and I yelled, no! I had never grabbed my dad's arm before and I certainly had never yelled. I can see, I can see him still looking at me. A strange look on his face. 
No, Dad, you don't have to buy me anything. The tears were burning in my eyes. The tears were burning in Dad's eyes. Dad, I know that you love me. And we walked away from the cart without the chemistry set, and I remember my dad holding my hand all the way home. Frank looked at the men. You know, there isn't enough money in the world to buy that moment. You see, at that moment, I knew that my dad loved me more than anything in the world. And that's the way that God loves us. He didn't just say it, he showed it. He gave the most precious thing anyone could give. He gave his son. We all know John 3:16, for God so loved the world, he loved you and he loved me that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave his son Jesus, that you and I might have everlasting life. If you haven't accepted the greatest gift, accept it now. Just ask him to forgive you and to come into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. Receive salvation, God's Christmas gift to you, as it has already been paid for. That's for anyone here, but anyone watching this, whenever you see this, just ask Jesus to be your Savior. Give your life to him, and he will receive you. You'll come into God's kingdom. If you need help, let us know, and we'll help you with that. So that's the end of that story. And I read it, and I knew right away it was, I was supposed to read it today. seems like the older I get, the harder it is for me to get through these stories. <laughs> but anyway, then I thought, Lord, that's not long enough, though. I mean, you know, it's, it should be. And I've had it before where I had another story or I think sometimes even two more stories. But as I sat there at my desk in my study, looking over Gull Lake there, the thought kept coming, you write the story. You write your story. You write a story. I thought it would be a lot easier to find one, Lord. <laughs> but the thought kept coming, you know, write your own story. Write your own story. About my best Christmas? About Christmas. So, I, I knew then. I mean, it just kept coming, and it was strong, and it was there, and I thought, yeah, I'll do it. So in the last six weeks or so, I've been working a little bit on this here and there when I got opportunity, and so I'll start. My best Christmas. I would say that my best Christmas is a culmination of them all. The life direction that my dad and mom gave me and my family through the Christmas celebrations that we had and through their everyday lives was priceless. We did not have a lot in the realm of earthly goods, 
but we did appreciate and enjoy what we had. We did not have any relatives living nearby as we grew up in South Dakota and Southwest Minnesota. I need to blow my nose from that last story. Excuse me, sorry. said to me, I suppose, are you going to make us cry this morning? I said, no. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't even a thought, really. But, well, we can laugh and we can cry, right? We did not have any relatives living anywhere near us as we grew up in South Dakota and southwest Minnesota. They were all left behind in Michigan when dad and mom answered God's calling for them to pastor. And I remember only two times that relatives came to join us for the Christmas celebration. Both times were when we lived in Edgerton, Minnesota. What we did have though was each other. We had the friendship that we made with families in the church where dad and mom ministered as well. Dad and mom, with our family of five children, made most of the th- made the most of the things at Christmas time with what meager finances that they did have. We didn't really think of it at the time, but I'm sure that they had to sacrifice in order to get us Christmas present presents for all of us. And we did really enjoy Christmas. It was a wonderful celebration of the birth of Jesus, our Lord Jesus. I have good memories of caroling Christmas programs, Christmas worship services. As I look back, I still get glimpses in my mind of various services and things that happen. And I realized that as a child growing up, these things were an important part of establishing me and grounding me in my Christian faith. Seek first God's kingdom. We as children knew that loving God and serving him was the most important thing in our parents' lives. They sought to do the Lord's will first of all in their lives. And he saw to it that their needs were always met somehow. They lived out Matthew 6:33, which says, Seek first the kingdom of God and being right with him, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Their example was instilled in the lives of us children, and they imparted things to us through what they believed. Even more so, they impacted our lives by what they did or didn't do. And we did experience dad and mom's unconditional love for us. Through this, we also learned about God's unconditional love for us, kind of like the story I just read. My dad's theme was probably the love of God. And I still remember one day, and that actually, I mean, his theme theme throughout his messages, that's the one that would rise to the top but also that song, The Love of God, which we've sung here quite often. I still remember one day 
while I was studying on our back deck, which faces Gull Lake there, that my dad was trolling in his boat towards the dock. He was coming from the east. And he was kind of behind the trees, but I, I could hear him. I, it's one of those days on a lake when you can hear a long ways. But anyway, he was trolling toward our dock, but he was singing. He was singing the song as he fished, and uh, it, it was the love of God. One of those verses I remember that's, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. And I still remember him singing that as he was trolling along. Dad and Mom's prayers. I believe that we are still living in the power and covering of Dad and Mom's prayers. This truth, I believe, goes back to several generations of our grandparents. Their prayers for us children don't have an expiration date on them. They're still in force in the spirit realm, going back many generations of believers in Jesus. The great desire and prayer for believers in Jesus Christ is that their children will walk in the truth. That's an important part of their prayers for them, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. The apostle John said in his letter, 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than this than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Conversely, there is probably no greater grief for a Christian parent their heart than hearing that their children are not walking in the truth. It's the desire of every believing parent and grandparent that their children will be in heaven with them one day. Be there is the call that resounds down through the generations and back through the generations. We know this life here is not forever, but through the redeeming sacrifice of Jesus, who was a baby boy, baby boy, was born in... <laughs> oh, good, we get a little laughter in here. <laughs> <coughs> You should try reading this sometime. Reading is, <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily easy to read something like that. It's easier just to talk, you know. But <laughs> oh. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> but through the redeeming sacrifice of Jesus, who was a baby boy, born in a cattle manger, we can be forever with the Lord and with each other. Lots of moves. As we grew up, our family made lots of moves to the churches that asked Dad and Mom to be their pastor. I was born in 1951 while Dad attended a Reformed Church in America Seminary in Holland, Michigan. In 1952, we moved to Austin, Texas for one year of dad's schooling. He was in a Presbyterian seminary located there. Then we moved to Strasburg, North Dakota. In 1953, dad did, did his internship there. 
Next, we lived in Davis, South Dakota, which is just southwest of Sioux Falls, where Dad and Mom served from 1954 through 1957 in their first church as full-time pastor and wife. In 1957, we moved to Edgerton, Minnesota. And this is where Joyce's family lived on a farm nearby. I didn't meet Joyce, though, until 1971 when we were at Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. In 1962, we moved to Amherst, South Dakota, in the northeast part of the state. And finally, Dad and Mom accepted a call from a church in Volga, South Dakota, and we moved there in 1967. I had been in three different schools in three years as the Amherst School had consolidated with the neighboring schools after my freshman year. So I was in one school as a freshman, one as a sophomore, a different one, and then another one in Volga as a junior. One constant through all the moves. But there was one constant from the time that we lived in Edgerton. In 1958, we came to Swinburne Resort on Gull Lake, just west of a town called Tinstrike, Minnesota. We rented a cabin there on the lake for $25 for the week. The $25 included a boat and two oars. <laughs> and that's what we used for many years. We didn't have a motor on it. When on vacation, we attended Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Tinstrike. For those of you that don't know, that's where this church was birthed out of. That's our roots, is, is Shiloh Presbyterian Church. Don and Mabel Emery were pastor and wife here at that time. Since 1958, I believe we missed being here in Tinstrike only one year. And I'm not even sure about it that year. It's possible that we did come here. I know we were at a resort near Glenwood, but maybe we, we didn't like it. <laughs> um, we might have even come up here that year. Connected. During this time, we met the Fellows, the Sorheims, the O'Briens, Halverson, Jacobsons, Emery's, the Woods, the Rices, and many other special people who lived in this area. We became very connected with northern Minnesota and with the people who lived here. Over time, there began to be a seed thought and a drawing in our spirits to possibly someday move to this place. That seed grew over the years. In the early to mid-70s, my family began to sense a calling from the Lord to move up here to Gull Lake to live and to Tinstrike. Joyce and I were dating at this time and we lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan. In the summer of 1974, we joined my family here for a summer vacation. We camped out together on some property that my parents had purchased on the south side of Gull Lake. They had purchased the land with a small inheritance they had received from my mom's parents, from, yeah, from her folks. 
During that vacation, Joyce experienced the same connection with this area, the people and the rest, as the rest of the family had. You remember that? Preparation time. Joyce and I were married in October of 1975 and lived in Volga, South Dakota, where my family was still residing, dad was still pastoring. We had moved there from Michigan earlier that summer. During the next two years, Joyce taught in the Volga Christian School. I worked on a farm and I also completed my master's of education degree at South Dakota State University, which was nearby a nearby city in the city of Brookings, South Dakota. The call and desire to move to northern Minnesota grew in us during these two years, and we had many prayer times as a family devoted to seeking the Lord about his, this potential move. My siblings, I'm sure, remember those times. The baptism with the Holy Spirit. Back in 1973, I was doing volunteer service at the Other Way Youth Center in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I came home for Christmas that year. During my time at home, I shared at length with my family how I had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the prayer language. We studied this in the Word together. Some of the family had already received this for themselves, but I believe by the end of that special Christmas time, they had all received. This experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit by Jesus impacted our lives greatly. It probably accelerated our move to Ten Strike. Time to move. In 1977, after much prayer and seeking the Lord, the peace we had about moving had grown to a launching point. Even though none of us had jobs lined up and we did not have housing for all of us, we stepped out in faith, believing for the Lord's supply. We had the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that this was the direction that he was leading us to go. We had this peace, not because things in the natural were all lined up to do this. It was because our hearts and the Holy Spirit were lined up. Contrary opinions. Joyce and I, as well as the rest of the family, remember dealing with receiving a lot of advice and grief from people saying that this was a very foolish move. Going by natural thinking, it was a very foolish move. <laughs> the counsel we heard was that we couldn't, or at least we shouldn't, make this move without jobs and things financially in place. People said that it was stupid. It was a stupid thing to do, especially financially, with no jobs and inadequate housing lined up. The truth was that my parents never did base their decisions about career or about moving on how things looked in the natural realm. 
nor did they make decisions based on how things figured out financially. They sought the Lord and did what they believed he was telling them to do regardless of these things and regardless of the opinions of other people. As they obeyed God's leading, the needs in their life were eventually taken care of every time. Joyce and I made a decision to follow this example in our lives. A roof over our heads. <clears throat> so, along with my entire family, Joyce and I moved up to the piece of land on the south side of Gull Lake where we now live. Dad and Mom and my four siblings lived in a 12 by 64 mobile home which had been moved onto the property. Joyce and I lived in a pop-up camper for part of that first summer as there was not room for us in the mobile home. Late in the summer, we finished fixing up a dilapidated 8 by 25 1950 model trailer that was on the property when the folks had bought it and we moved into that. During this time, my parents were working to secure a loan for building a house on the adjacent property just to the west. By the Lord's help and after several failed attempts, Dad was able to convince a banker to loan the money for a Wausau home which we purchased through Al Bontrager. And I know some of you remember Al well. One stipulation for securing the house loan was that we children would need to commit to helping with monthly payments from the money we earned at various jobs which we had found by that time. I still remember my dad's final attempt with the loan officer as the time window for building a house was drawing to a close fast. I, I'm not, before the winter came, um, I'm not sure how many banks had turned him down, but Dad knew it was imperative that the house be built before the winter set in. The loan officer was simply not convinced about granting the loan. But my dad finally looked him straight in the eye and with a very heartfelt and strong voice said, I will never miss a monthly payment for this loan. Dad's demeanor must have really spoken to the loan officer, his confident words, and it was a decision-altering impact that came on that loan officer. Yes, that was a turning point, and we got the loan, the house, and we never missed a monthly payment until it was fully paid. Things were not all easy. That first year was certainly not easy. We were kind of in survival mode, but the Lord always came through with his provision for us. He always did. In 1977, jobs were not easy to find, but the Lord directed us to where he wanted us at that time to be working. I ended up with a job doing the morning milking on a dairy farm with 60 cows when we began. 
I did that at five o'clock in the morning. It was the morning milking. And then I did other chores, feeding the calves and such, feeding the cows. I did that for almost five years. I milked these cows for a farmer who lived just a couple of miles east of Bemidji on Roosevelt Road. And I remember continuing to deal with disparaging and negative comments from people concerning the fact that I had just completed my master's degree and now here I was milking cows and shoveling manure. <laughs> the truth was that I was thankful for the job I had most of the time. <laughs> we were in the joy of the Lord because we really believed that we were exactly where the Lord wanted us to be. Sarah is born. Joyce and my first child, was Sarah, was born on October 12 of that year, 77. After her birth, Joyce and I moved to our non moved out of our non-winterized 8x25 home to a larger mobile home at a campground across the lake. This was the Birch Haven campground owned by Warren Damcott. The mobile home on our property was occupied by my family until about mid-November. That year winter came early and it came with a vengeance. In early November, there came a major snowstorm which deposited well over a foot of snow here with accompanying high winds. The temperature plummeted as the storm intensified and we thought, wow, these northern Minnesota winters are really something. I mean, that was our first taste. The morning it hit, I had milked the cows and done the chores then I picked up some slate flooring from a lumberyard in Bemidji. I was laying the slate in an addition that we had built onto the mobile home so Joyce and I could have a wood stove in that addition. As I brought the flooring to the car, it began to snow and heavy. Someone else was loading their pickup next to me and said, looks like this snowstorm's gonna be a big one. And they were right. My car could barely plow through the snow on our road by the time I reached the folks' property with the flooring. I was really thankful just to get there. Survival mode. I had no way of communicating with Joyce from the folks' place to where she was. She was with Sarah across the lake at the campground that evening, my brother Tim and I had no alternative but to walk on foot around the lake, wasn't frozen yet, to see how Joyce and Sarah were doing. Phone and communications weren't like they are today, for those of you that may be wondering. There must have been nearly a full moon that night because even though it was still snowing heavily, we could see where, the walk, where to walk without a flashlight. You remember that? Where's Tim? Yeah. Joyce was very glad to see us when we came trudging through the door, looking like snowmen. 
Yes, through these days of survival mode, we were experiencing the joy of the Lord in the midst of everything because we knew that we were where the Lord wanted us to be. We were simply trusting the Lord for our daily bread. And sometimes that's exactly what it was, enough for the day and for everything else. Thanksgiving 1977. My family got into their new Wausau home about a week before Thanksgiving. I remember us joyously celebrating Thanksgiving together. It was a special time of expressing gratitude to the Lord for his provision of homes for us to live in. We gave thanks to the Lord and sang songs of praise together. I also recall that the temperature that day started out as zero degrees or even below zero, and we weren't used to that kind of temperature from where we had come from on Thanksgiving. We did have wood heat from the trees that we had cut down for our new house. We also had three bear that people had given to us. Actually, it was through Ralph Bontrager. Uh, these folks wanted the skins. They'd killed the bears, but they didn't want the meat. We had never eaten bear before, but we were open to just about anything that was offered to us. <laughs> That's where we were. <laughs> and we butchered the bear on our ping-pong table in the garage. <laughs> and we didn't know how to butcher bear. We didn't know how to butcher anything. <laughs> but we just simply started cutting away until we hit the bone. <laughs> And I can't remember for sure, but I think we probably ate bear for Thanksgiving and for Christmas as well. Christmas 1977. We had a happy Christmas together as a family. It was a memorable Christmas. We thanked the Lord for giving his dear son as a vulnerable little infant. We were thankful to be in our warm homes that Christmas. We were thankful to God that we had enough food to eat, no matter what it was, and we were grateful to God for helping us through the major transitions in our lives during that last year. We had done the transition by faith, not knowing how the details were going to work out. We had done the transition by faith, not knowing how the details were going to work out. We saw again, God is faithful. Yes, we celebrated Christmas together as a family. We also celebrated Christmas with our church family at Ten Strike Community Church, where, I had, where later on I would become an elder. The pastoring question. As you may know, it was not Joyce's or my desire to be pastoring in a church. It was our desire to first of all seek the Lord and to be on the right pathway with him. I remember at one point telling the Lord that I didn't want to serve him, that I did want to serve him with my whole life. That's because that was my desire. I told him that I would do anything he wanted me to except be a pastor. I had my fleshly reasons for this, but I won't get into those in this story today. 
Joyce was in a similar place. The Lord was loving and patient with us, and after living here in northern Minnesota for about four years, he began to speak to us separately about opening our hearts to pastoring. For several months, I didn't realize that God was also speaking to Joyce about this, and finally I came to the place where I told the Lord that I would remove the exception clause that I had given him about pastoring. And I shared this with Joyce, and she said, you know what? I've been getting the same thing. That's happened numerous times in our friendship as husband and wife. We did have some real questions, though. The main reason that we had moved to Tinstrike was simply to live here, to be God's witnesses to the precious people who live here in this area. Our desire was to share the good things that we had experienced in the Lord with these folks. Joyce and I thought that we would do, be doing this outside of the pastoral role. Our questioning and uncertainty now came because we thought that possibly the Lord wanted us to move somewhere else to pastor. We never could get a peace about moving somewhere else. In this situation, the Lord's awesome timing was evident again because shortly after we had opened our hearts to pastoring, the pastor here at Tenstrike Community Church resigned. Pastor Mark Mar Mike Maraji suggested to the elders that I should be the new pastor. That became reality, and I preached my first message here on Sunday, February 14, 1982. Not long from now, that'll be 40 years ago. Transition thoughts. Just before our sabbatical, which was in mid-May through mid-August of this year, Joyce and I began to sense a coming transition in our role here at Ten Strike Community Church. We had thoughts, but really hadn't focused on possible changes before that time. Our attention for over a year had been on helping to navigate our church family through the midst of a, the COVID pandemic, among other things. The sense of upcoming changes for us here at TCC grew during our sabbatical time this summer. And by the end of our sabbatical, we had a peace concerning this. We don't know what all the details of this transition would look like at this time. We do want you to know that this is our church home. This is our church home, and this will continue to be our church home and family. That's what we sense and have the peace. But we do not see a move away from you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. We believe that our church family is vital to our Christian life, and, and you are. Changes in roles. That said, we do believe that there is coming a change in our position and function here. Joyce and my desire is that we will serve this church body in the best ways possible 
with the gifts that God has given to us. For me, this may possibly include focusing on assisting with pastoral care, discipling through gifts of exhortation and encouragement that the Lord has given to me. These are strong in my heart, and there are strengths that the Lord has given to me. Church administration and government are not. I am very thankful for the gifted leaders that the Lord has given to us here at TCC throughout these years. Many are here with us now or possibly listening. The Lord knows what we need and he has brought the people and their giftings as they were needed. We've had many godly elders and deacons here in the past 40 years. At this time, our thought is that this transition will mean that I would no longer continue as the role in the role of lead or senior pastor of TCC. Now, just to make it clear, I'm not saying that's happening right now. This, I wanted to share these things with you on this Christmas of 2021 out ahead long enough ways so that we all together can be praying together about it and seeking the Lord together. We value you so much and your prayers and your input. I thought I'd better insert that because it almost sounded like that's what I meant that after today, but that's not what it is. We are open to the Lord's direction as we seek him together with you. We submit ourselves concerning these things to the Lord and to you, our church family. Let's be strong together and strong in our prayer lives together in regard to these things. Joyce and I are confident that the Lord will reveal and unfold what his plans are concerning this transition in the days ahead. Days and months, maybe I should put. He will unveil to us what they look like. God will work it out. When we shared these things with the TCC staff, and that was like back in September, and also with the elders and deacons, we received a word from the Lord, Lord concerning this. And here it is. God is going to work it out, but we don't have to figure it out. Now that means we don't have to figure it out with our natural thinking. God will give the wisdom and the timing concerning all of it. We may have thoughts and ideas concerning things like this, but the bottom line is that it will be as the Lord wills and in God's timing. Proverbs 16.9, the Passion Translation, says, Within your heart you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. I really like that. I'm going to read it again. Within your heart you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. And there are steps, and I am so confident of this, I have no doubt about it, what I'm sharing with you, that it's the Lord's timing. I've come to know his voice, and I also come to know the ways he confirms things, and he has with this. And you all are going to be a part of this. 
we together as we go forward in these days that are before us. Joyce and I are believing that there are very, and I got these in caps, very good, powerful, and productive days ahead for Ten Strike Community Church. We believe that we will not just survive, but thrive. And this I have in caps. We see days filled with God's glory. Days of the outpouring of God's Spirit upon us. We look forward to being a part of this. And we see the blessing, favor, protection, provision, and direction of God unfolding for us as a church family. Those are things that I pray for you each day for this church family and the circle of prayer the Lord's given. Together we will walk in these things as they unfold. We agree in prayer with you that we as a church family will continue to do our part in God's overall plan for the great harvest of souls before the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. This time not as a vulnerable little baby boy born in a manger as we celebrate his first coming this Christmas, but as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In closing the story, as I experienced my 40th Christmas as pastor here at TCC, Joyce and I, I would like to say that Joyce and I feel so blessed to be a part of this church with you, this community, this family. Together we believe that every believer is a minister and we will continue along with you to connect people to God, connect people to people, and connect people to service. So Christmas 2021, now we are here. Christmas 2021, looking forward to special times. We say this for ourselves, but it's true I'm known for you with family, friends. I'm very thankful to God for our three children and their spouses. Sarah and her husband Andrew, Andy, and his wife Jennifer and John and his wife Jen. I'm so thankful to the Lord for our seven grandchildren. Joyce and I really do enjoy our times with them and we look forward to even more memory-making times in the days ahead. Joy Tiana Erholtz was born on June 21, 2006. She's now 15 years old. Emerson Andrew Pomp was born on June 15, 2008, and he's now 13. Elsie, these are our grandkids. Elsie Claren Erholtz, April 16, 2009. She's 11 years old. I think I got all these exactly right. Asher Harvard Pomp, born June 21, 2008. 
born February 14, 2011. He's now 10. Millie Clara Pomp, born September 12, 2011. She's now 10. Penny Paula Pomp, December 17, 2012. She will be nine in five, four, five days, in five days. And Clementine Rose Pomp, born May 1, 2014. She's now six. I think I got them all right. And you can think of your own children and possible grandchildren. Some of you have great-grandchildren. But I'm going to ask Tim and Tim to quietly, can you quietly come up as we pray together? We're just going to pray over these things now. Lord, we seek you first and being right with you. And we know that all things will be added unto us. And we know there you're talking about food and clothing and housing and all those kind of things. Lord, we thank you that you, even in the story that I just shared, that you were so faithful and you are faithful and you're with us and you want us to trust you. The th and even though we didn't have everything figured out when we moved up here, we know that you had the plan all laid out. We just had to follow you a step at a time. We see, I see, and as I wrote the story, Lord, you know, I saw the parallels there of what our move here and even that transition and transitions now that, that what's in our hearts grows, starts as a seed, grows, and then, Lord, as we've opened it up now to the larger, the larger congregation, Lord, that together that seed, the seeds will grow, and just what things will look like. We thank you that you are moving on people's hearts. I'm seeing it happen before my eyes. People coming into places, taking parts. We know that every believer is a minister. And we know that you call us to be serving one another in the body of Christ as you show us our part, not somebody else's part, but the part you gave me to do. And Lord, for 40 years now, you've, you've had Joyce and I in this role, but we see that it's going to transition. It's going to be a transition. And Lord, we trust you in that trans transition. We know you're going to bring it forth. We have no doubt about it at all, no question. We give you thanks for that. And now we also pray for this Christmas and for our families, our parents, our children, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, maybe a great-great will hear this. Lord, we, we thank you for families, church family, but also the families you've given us. And we pray for those. Maybe some don't know you yet, Lord. We pray that they would come to know you even this Christmas. 
or if they've drawn away from you or slipped away, I guess is a better word. We just pray that they would be drawn closely again. We pray for a very special Christmas season here that we're entering into now. We pray that we as nuclear families, extended families, and church family in accord with other church families all over this area, in this county, in this state, in this nation, and the world, that we will be those that bring forth your word, that we go tell it in the lakes area of Minnesota, or wherever the Lord leads us. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Herb, we're going to sing that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. I don't know if you've got that one or not. Probably not. Let's stand up together. Go tend it on the mountain. Shepherds get their watching Silent watch by night Throughout the heavens Who shone a mighty Oh, go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Shepherds feared and trembled upon the earth.
for the play. Remember, Friday night yes. is our concert at 7 o'clock. And there's coffee and goodies and fellowship after the service. And if you have questions or things about this morning, what I shared, be free to ask. And we'll pray together. You know, we'll share together with you if things didn't seem very clear in some area or something. But uh, God bless you all. Jesus' name.